Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. You wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now, let's get to the show. Hey guys, last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women and by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you start to unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free stuff, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right. Well... It's deer season. Well, it's not deer season. For some people in Alabama, it may be deer season. I don't know. But for certainly nobody at this table is it deer season. But it is time to start thinking about deer. Uh, even though me and Jamie have had a hard time, I feel like, getting off turkeys this year. We've talked about it pretty much all evening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I've been scouting at the same time. Yep, yeah. yep. So we got some fan favorites here. we got Mr. Michael Perry. And Mr. Jamie McKay here to help us kick off deer season with me and Luke. Um, oh, yeah. Decided to do this podcast in person. Um, if they could only see their, their Mike's trophy room. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be blown away. Do you know how many mounts you have in here? Have you counted them? I can't never remember, but it's uh, 13, 18, a bunch. 20 something. <laughs> <laughs> Lots. Yeah. Uh, keeping, keeping a roof over Luke's head. Uh huh. And uh, for especially many, with for his many rain. years. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about him paying your bills. Yeah. Oh, dude. Bill. Hey, we made a joke about that one. Yeah. If, they, if people that that don't know, Dad does a, almost all of Mike's tax sermon and yeah. Kathy. And yeah, we were totaling totaling that up. 
few weeks ago. Did you? Y'all figured it up? I uh, remember we were. I ain't saying nothing. Oh, just just guess. Uh, you said idea. close to forty grand <laughs> oh in <God>. mounts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. Oh man, that, that might be a little on the light side, but yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That hurts. Oh yeah, Dad always makes a joke. No, it don't hurt. That's fantastic. No, yeah, he's always <laughs> making a joke. Hey, it's your money. Hey, you pay him a lot, Bill. Oh, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's I mean, memories and success. So it's and, and heck, I'll mount them. So. And it's a room we can all come hang out yeah, in. Yeah, I can. Remember all the stories and share and talk stories, man. That's amazing. So it just is blessed cool. to be able to do it. So I'm gonna, I'll mount them, boy. You know what else would be an interesting tally? Uh, if you knew how much it cost, like, oh, hunting for each trip plus <laughs> oh, the taxidermy, yeah. like everything that you have in this room, what it's, Those this were, might be the most expensive room in, in the county. Uh, I don't know about that, but it's, it's, it's more than you would think. Cause <laughs> I've had a discussion about that at work one day and I run some numbers through my head and it's more than you would imagine. So. What do you just just guess? I don't I, I, I don't know I don't know what you pay to do the bear hunts and stuff like that. I don't have a way of figuring it. Yeah, it's it's. it's <laughs> Is it in the millions? You think? It's, it'd have to be over a million, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, well, I best get saving, boys. <laughs> well, you got to think about what you do to do these hunts. You know, uh -huh. if you start kind of figuring a little bit of gas, as far as mileage, how many hunts we do a year, as far as deer hunt stuff, you just kind of round it out and. Your equipment, shells, whatever it's. Yeah, a, I mean, and these days a, it's not cheap. I mean, you think about each arrow. Yeah. How much each arrow costs? Yeah, arrow, a arrow to kill a deer is what thirty something bucks right now, just for one it, arrow. I mean, not if you know people. I got a deal <laughs> on two dozen. Well, you think about this. Think about if you're if you're going all out, right? You're using a lighted knock. That's yeah. I don't use that. But expensive. Right. You've got a lighted knock. You've got probably some type of custom veins on it mm. you got the shaft itself then you've got uh inserts mm. then you got a broadhead and broadheads these days are yeah. i mean you start looking looking at those fixed blade single bevel things you what uh what, what's the what's the is it not day six what's the what's the oh my gosh why am i i'm having a brain fart but it's like the day six broadheads I know what you're talking. They kind of look I don't like them. The name. Why am I? This is gonna come to me, and somebody's listening to this thing, and you're an idiot. Uh, but I mean, you're, they're like a hundred and nine bucks for three of them. Really? Yeah. Golly. I can't even think of what they're called. I ain't slinging that. <laughs> Hurt your feelings. See one run off yeah. with it, didn't it? <clears throat> you think about that? I mean, it's unreal. What's them turkey shells? A hundred dollars for how many? Huh? <laughs> I don't want to talk about turkey God. shells, man. The TSS, them things. What? Hundred dollars for what? Five or something? <laughs> About a box of ten, I think. Oh, is it? On that man in a box? Okay. I think twenty gauge. You can pick those up about forty for five. <laughs> Not anymore. On TSS. Yeah. Well, I know where some's at. Okay, it. so you so you, you got a but it was number seven. You got a guy. It's not a not a mixture. You got a guy. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. You got a guy in Juarez, Mexico, dealing you TSS <laughs> shells. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is local. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm that, glad my wife ain't gonna listen to none of this. We talking about dollar amounts <laughs> on equipment. Man, it's it gets real too. Once you get this time of the season, and you're like thinking about different plans. Gas is eighteen dollars a gallon right now, so you're thinking about <laughs> different yeah. trips and 
going back and just just going back and forth from my house to place I hunt locally. I mean, yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, I was wanting to go to Old Mobile today to to move a camera, and I looked at the weather and it was iffy, and I was like, I'm gonna drive no two and a half hours one way to burn that gas to, to, for a lightning storm, and I can't get out there, so we'll have to wait. So uh, he's lying. He just didn't want to go because I can't go. <laughs> what? You want to go tomorrow? I got work. <laughs> hey, speaking of speaking of this, who uh, I heard y'all had a competition, um, a, a trad bow competition. Oh, oh yeah, competition. me and Mike. Yeah, we had a little shoot. Go ahead, go ahead. Say what you want to say. I know you already want to say it. We shot four arrows. What happened? At a hog at fifteen yards. Was it best two out of like? Or we I just shot two arrows a piece. Okay. What happened? Uh, so he, he's supposed to be putting his well, video up and no, he, he, he's been postponing it. And I am. No, around I am. No, it was just it yeah. was uh, us shooting two long bows that my dad actually made from the same piece of wood. And we were talking about this year trying to shoot him, trying to shoot one with his, me trying to shoot deer with mine, and we uh, ended up shooting four arrows. Let's just say I would have wounded the animal, and Mike would have would have finished it off. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. In the video, uh, he says, "Dadgum!" So, so Mike won. No, he says, "Dadgum, you're a rear end shooter." <laughs> yeah, Mike. Mike beat me out on that one. Oh, you talking about Luke being a rear end shooter? He was a rear end shooter. Did I ever tell you about the time I let him go to my hunting club with me a couple of years back? Oh, dear no, God, what is this? Uh, Rose Luke, <laughs> Rose Luke session. I've not heard this story. Look, yeah, you've been keeping Parker, secrets from me. Look, no, listen, Man. Parker invited me to hunt on his hunting club. This, I mean, this was a while back. This was this was seven, last year. Seven Parker years hunts ago. Last year. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this funny. was what probably five years ago. It was more than that. Anyway, he invited me on a hunt club. Deer came out. It was running. I took a shot at it and shot it right in the butt. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, okay. to be fair, I'm shooting a 308. So I'm thinking, this Don't thing's. Don't knocking a 308 down. No, no, I'm not. That's okay. what I hunt with. I'm so hunt with. I was thinking, this thing's going to knock this deer down. No problem. In the butt? Does that usually work out? Well, I mean, there are, that artery is, is towards <laughs> the back. I just didn't aim far enough forward. Golly. <laughs> so. Yeah, I found hair and all sorts of stuff, and, and never found the deer. I felt so bad. And so then I, the deer. Yeah, yeah. Then I felt. Yeah, then I felt deer. bad because I had to tell Parker that I wanted the dang deer. He invited me to hunt. So. So like, where'd you hit it at? I think I hit it in the butt. <laughs> and the only reason I knew that is because I was I was leading it as it was running across, and and yeah. Well, so if I do that, then now I know you're actually aiming to butt of that hog we were shooting at the other day. Thank so you. Luke may have shoot. actually won the competition. We, have. Well, I mean, I, we didn't clarify what which end we were shooting. If I hit that artery, then, you know, that's dead. So you guys are uh, kind of going out on a on a new venture together. Oh yeah. We've talked yeah. about it a little bit, but I don't know that we've necessarily talked about it since uh, Michael came alongside. So why don't you explain that, Luke? Tell yeah, us about so everything y'all got going on. About. Uh, let's see, last October, I, I've been, I, I may have told Parker this, sheesh, year and a half ago, two years ago, I wanted to start something on YouTube. Um, I've always been outdoorsman, love the outdoors, and I, I was actually encouraged when Parker started his stuff and wanted to kind of do something on my own. And so I started That's Wild Hunting on YouTube. And I've known Michael and Kathy since, sheesh, since I was a kid. He's been paying you. He's been paying, he's been paying those bills, bills a long time. 
Since diaper, been bothering me a diaper for you. Yeah, I know. He's been feeding me ever since. And uh, man, I've I've always looked up to Michael, and I mean his his uh, skills when it comes to being outdoorsman is just it's unmatched. And so um, I I started the channel about last October, um, September somewhere in there. And anyway, anyway, Mike and I ended up talking earlier this year about him coming coming on with the, the the channel and I was I mean I was all for it because I'm learning and he's gonna be able to bring stuff to to the channel that I'm not gonna be able to bring and you know vice like, versa. Like so. state record bucks. State record like bucks, that. yep. <laughs> shooting shooting longbow better than I can and all that good stuff. <laughs> Uh, but no, I'm excited. Yeah, the channel's called That's Wild Hunting. If you haven't yet, check it out on YouTube. We've got um, some videos rolling up, and we've got some cool ideas coming up. So yeah. we're fairly new. We're learning, but we're excited. Yeah. You got anything to add, Mike? Well, I'm excited to be in. I've, I've had people ask me about, you know, I've done some articles over the years and stuff like that, and I've, this is going to be a great way to try to, to put a little of my knowledge or some things I've learned over the years the hard way to, to get out maybe help some other hunters out. But And uh, I'm not technologically advanced or as good like Luke and him are so he's going he's a prime person for us to get involved together and get something going and we're looking for good things so yeah and I told him you know we're we're already doing what we love right and so we're just gonna we're gonna let people see what we're what we're already doing so we're excited yeah. Yeah. it's gonna be cool I can't wait to see it's gonna be cool. I hope you're carrying a camera this year I really do I'd love to I'd love to see. I think I, I think more than anything, what and questions you probably get asked a lot, um, and this would go for both you and Jamie. I would love to see, like, to visualize some of the places that you're finding success in. Not not necessarily the exact spot. I don't, I'm not saying I want to know the spots where you're killing deer at. I want to see the a visual representation a lot of it, which I've been able to see a lot through a lot of y'all's videos. Um, because I think just audio, which you and I have talked a lot, we've all talked a lot about different things. You talk about bluff gaps a lot and things like that. And so you can kind of mentally visualize that, but actually being able to physically look at some of the stuff I think is going to be right. really cool. And people seem to have really enjoyed a lot of the scouting stuff that you guys are Yeah, we've heard a, a lot of great out. feedback. And if you've watched, we appreciate you guys watching. Yes. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been super cool. Yeah. It's a learning process for me, but it's it's awesome. But the technology nowadays, even everything now is is so much better than when I started. You know, it's like it's crazy. You know, the new stands and all that. I remember making our own stand to climb up. You know, had to pull ourselves up, hugging the tree, and because we just didn't have stuff like that, or it was even available. So, and pull a bucket up to sit on a bucket with no harness, or anything with the food in it. Because now, what all this stuff you got so light. You know, you got different saddles and lock on 14 kind oh, yeah. of climbers i mean I mean, everything just the gear is yeah let alone podcast youtube you know if you could read outdoor life back then you was lucky and it most of it was midwest hunting you know nobody care about alabama hunting so you had to learn it all on your own so nowadays it's it's amazing the stuff you got it's available for you to try to learn and look at and watch and listen so now jamie did you did you swap to a saddle this past season no you didn't <clears throat> Have you? Well, that old back felt about November, <laughs> boy. I needed to. Boy, I suffered. And are you switching anything up this year, Mike? Mm, no, uh, not climbers or anything wise. I, I, I use lock-ons and climbers, so 
the saddle, I'm just too old in the game to be trying that. It's a little risky for me. But I like the uh, – I went to a, that lone wolf thing I had in Birmingham. And them light sticks and the different kind of lock-ons they have with some neat, you know, some neat gear. That's, that in, that interests me a lot, that stuff. So. That's why I was curious. I, I knew you had gone over there, and I hated I had to shoot a wedding this weekend. I wasn't able yeah. to go. Uh, but I, I really like the dudes from yeah. Custom Gear and – uh, I've used their sticks, their double step sticks. Or double step sticks. Or double step sticks yeah. are nice. <laughs> They're yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's and a good stick. And the stand, it's not my style. I I like the saddle. I don't want to switch out of the saddle. Yeah. But if I were looking for a, a hang on, yeah. that's they a good nice hang on. And the lock on is a, you can get more hidden to me with a lock on if you can get up in a beech tree or something like that. You can get up in amongst them limbs. And there's, there's ways to hide better than a lock on versus a climber, but at times. So. I'm all about either one of them. So, but the only thing I'm waiting on is, a, is my suppressor stuff. Um, Kathy's got one. I've been waiting on one for fixed be 14 months on my paperwork, and it's that's got that's, that's grinding on me because I like to be prepared ahead of time. I'm already shooting bow and all that stuff, and that's grinding on me waiting on that. They got a new system where you can get them like three or four months, and that's working mm -hmm. so far. But I've done mine last April, so before the system. So, yeah, before the system. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kathy's got one. And uh, we talked about this last year about new gear was going to drive in. Uh -huh. Like Kathy got suppressor on a 308, and that is amazing, you know. That for kids or young people or light people, anybody really, because it takes away a lot of recoil. The the sound is sound like a 22 going off. It's and they're not really heavy. They, you know, you can get a shorter barrel rifle and it'll be the same length as most of your hunting rifles now. But that's if you ain't ain't looking at that, you need to check it out just to see. I don't know why it's so hard to even get one because it, it still sounds like a 22 going off. There's no, I mean, it's not like a, it's not a silencer like people like, think. So it's, it's a suppressor. Like, like, uh, it's not like a yeah, it's not a James Bond stuff. <laughs> yeah. it's, but, but it's it takes away the recoil. Some Kathy's, of them may be. You know, Kathy weighs about 107 pounds. I loaded some hand loaded some 168 grain Barnes bullets, and she keeps her head down, shoot it, don't it just bear does kick, and she loves it so. So it's it's that's an amazing new new tool that we'll be using this year. So. That's I have a I just bought a forty five seventy for a hunt that I did in Mississippi. We're and, just talking about that. Yeah, we're just that's talking so about funny. that. And that's my next one I want is a forty five seventy with a suppressor. Do so this one has like the I guess it's just like a muzzle brake mm -hmm. type thing. Well, that might, that helps a lot too. It was unreal. So I shot a deer with it, and um, well, I sighted it in first. I sighted it in the scope. I was like, man, that was. Not bad at all, because 4570, you're thinking like it's a chunk of lead. It's about to just oh, yeah. blow my arm off. No, man, it was, it was easy. Yeah. I mean, shooting that deer when I shot that deer, it was like, felt like a 22. Yeah. Um, a muzzle brake is a big difference too. It's just loud on the sides, you know. But yeah. that, that takes away a lot of recoil. So, I wasn't a big fan of that until I shot one in Alaska, that, like at a 416 or something that had a muzzle brake on it, and you, it was just minimum kick. So that's. Amazing the stuff they got laying again another another advancement in hunting stuff. So, so no, not, anything anything new for you, Jamie? That you're going to be doing? Oh yeah, new. Oh okay. My bow, <clears throat> my eyesight as I get older has got really bad. As far as my reading, I, I bifocals at work now. I've got a, a transition lens on my glasses, so I don't wear them all the time because my distance is fine. But he talked me in. He said, "Well, you lost a little bit on your distance." But I've noticed over the years, <clears throat> trying to shoot pins, I don't know if it was bad back when I missed a big eight, a shot low on him. I said the sun had got through, made my pins look 
big blurry run together. I wasn't sure if it was like that back then. So I went to a one pin. I was like, man, now it's getting to where I can't see the side tape to move it, plus the trouble of when you finally get on these deer that's pre-rut time, they on a pace on these trails. Mm -hmm. You can't range, adjust range. I got lucky and killed eight a couple years ago. So I was telling my brother, which has the archery shop, shoots all the ASA, big tournaments. He said they make a verifier, which is like a reading glass lens in your peep. So I just got that this past weekend. I think it's a six power. And I wanted to go back to fixed pins. And when I held it up, I said, man, I'm gonna explain this to you. It looks like a candy cane, different colors, all the way down solid, just solid fiber optics. And another guy. That's what it looked like without without anything. Right, yeah, right. So if your pins right now, because I put it on my Facebook page today because it's you know it's a game changer for me to be able to do this now. So it come with a number six lens, and he bought different lenses to keep in the shop for people coming in to shoot and try. Anyway, we left the six in. I go back there on the bags, and man, when I draw it back, all the pins look like they used to. Everything's clear. I can see the target fine. We walk out, shoot the 3D, come back in. Man, I'm happy. I'm, I'm ready to go again. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's huge. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's big stuff because that's, that's when people start saying, oh, I think I might have to switch to a crossbow or switch to some other way to do it if because yeah. you can't see your pins. Right. I had one guy that. make a comment that he had tried it, but his target was blurry. He needs to get with a dealer like what my brother done, bought different magnification. He'd come in and try it because he said, is your target blurry? I said, no, everything looks great. But he, he had them there to try different lenses. And uh, you probably had to check your regulations because I made a comment back to that guy. I said, well, you may get with a tournament shooter. They got what you call a clarifier, which is a lens in the peep sight, but they also got the magnification lens in their sights mm -hmm. so that clears up the magnification there and it looks just like looking through a rifle scope even your targets clear i mean it's i mean you can see the quarter inch size circles out there at 50 yards no problem with the the lens in the in their sight you can get it actually uh, i think a lens to go in a pin sight just like the adjustable one pin the micro adjustable the tournament shooter shoot so that's an option there to keep having to go to the crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's cool. Yeah, I had to redo my bow for the similar purposes. I was having problems shooting and grouping, so I just, I was still shooting from the old school way of putting a vein in my mouth because I used to shoot fingers and stuff like that. So I changed up where I can go to my nose and we, you got a bow bar nose button and stuff like that. And right now I'm fine. I can scare one at 40 anyway, so <laughs> a lot better than it was last year. I was, I was struggling a little bit at 40 because of, my, like he said, I need reading glasses and trying to focus on the the peep and the pen and the, and the animal or target. So it's, it's been rough, but hope, right now I'm, that seems to be fine. So I might have to check Come out. Try my bow. Out. I might have to check out <laughs> magnified peep out just to. That sounds pretty see. cool. So. I imagine there's probably a lot of people listening to this that just had a voila moment. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I've had several to comment back. All I mean, in just a, just a little bit on on a post. At, just what friends I had, so. Yeah. And that's a good thing about what we're doing is, as, as Jamie knows and I know, younger cats might know, but you start preparing early because you'll work work all this stuff out by hunting season, hopefully, so. Because it won't, it, shoot, here, they're already advertising tickets for the deer show, so you know what? Yeah. That, yep. So it's fixing to be deer season quick, so. Yeah. You well, know, you, 
I always say this to people because, like, um, you see on a lot of the social media stuff, people, I mean, people are switching. They switch everything mm-hmm. in, a, in the summertime. Right. Like, I know people who get a new bow. They'll get new climbing sticks. They'll get a new saddle, a different climbing system, you know, if they're doing one stick in or what. Like, they'll change everything about the way they hunt and then wonder why everything falls apart you know on that first hunt in october it's like dude you just changed everything about what you do i think like doing kind of what you're doing and and changing like a couple small things that's how i've always done it too it's just change a couple small things and then i'm sure during the season we'll figure out things that we want to change again and then the off season but there's nothing worse than going up on that first hunt of the season and everything just kind of falling apart yeah or or if you're changing something change it and and be mindful of how much time you've got before season so you can at least get comfy with your new gear or your new process Mm -hmm. of doing things yeah Yeah, those processes are to me it's everything like in my bag if you look at my pack of course i'm filming every hunt with a camera arm and all that stuff um so like everything goes into my bag in a certain order so that it can come out in a certain order and if i change anything if i change like the the type of camera arm that i'm using or if i change my fluid head or if i move where my batteries are supposed to be at like everything just like i might as well just get down out of the tree because i'm (laughs) freaking done that day uh but i mean i think people could could really do this do themselves from good by going out and practicing and having yeah. having a system for everything but I, I ask you all these questions because i think it's going to be a pretty cool um i didn't even talk to you luke i'm sorry That's but okay. i had an idea on my way here while i was in the jacks drive through um jamie you've had some jam up seasons last season was not it you struggled last season, right? Oh, well, I seen deer, just didn't see the deer. Yeah, and you killed a good one by by a lot of people's standards. You had a great season because you killed a good one. Right. But by your standards, I mean it was tough. Mike, you had a great season, killed a state record buck. So y'all are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum going into this new season. In that, I want to know, Jamie, what were the things that you? you figured out or did you figure out the things that you need to do different to kind of change that how last season was and mike i want to know what you're going to do different because how in the world are you going to top <laughs> 196 inch buck he long, said long long shooting a 200 <laughs> you're going to shoot yeah, a 200 so two, well, so jamie what's something for you i guess i guess kind of explain the season because we haven't really talked about it I just know it was a little bit tougher than normal. I hope I never see acorn crop like this ever that was, again. That was the big. That thing. was the biggest thing, and it stayed so green. It was yeah. Thanksgiving yeah. week, I think, for it lightened up enough you can actually see any distance. Mm-hmm. To me, I felt like that was to hold up on seeing a good deer for me. Uh, even the one I killed was luck. Like I said earlier, at back back in November, got to hurting when I hit a stretch of vacation. And I was still going to two and a half. And I think one of the last trips I throwed the Onyx on, it was 3.56 miles in. Took an hour and something to get in there. How old are you? I'm 47. 47 years old. Yeah, 47. 47. 
I think. Oh, you are. Bunch of youngsters. How old are you, Mike? 57. The man. So 47. I mean, 47, and you're not an old man. Still dragging. By any means. With help. Mike is. Mike's an old, apart, he's an old man. Uh, you're not an old man by any stretch. But, I mean, there's 20-year-olds that aren't going three and a half miles. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's a... Okay. And you're carrying a climber in there? Shoot. Oh, I'm carrying it in and out. <laughs> I, I may yep. change my mind that night or the next morning and not go back to the same area. And uh, But it got to the point on one of the hunts, I told my wife, I said, I can't go back in there. I'm going to find some, go somewhere close. And I went to where I killed a nine point, my muzzleloader, I think the year before or two years before, something like that. And uh, had an eight point walk with some, or seven or eight point was something I, I know he wasn't good enough for me to concentrate on as long so I tried to video him a little bit when he walked behind the tree and uh, seen him and then I was seeing movement on top of the ridge and it was actually when I'm sitting there looking at it it's like man she is staying right on the transition line of the thicker pines and the white oak so she's just feeding right there and go back in and then I noticed another one come up and then the next one when he come up I noticed it was the buck I killed anyway I got him but it was I just had to change the whole complete plan for that weekend on that next to the last gun hunt on that side and uh, it worked out but it's it's one of them hidden gems so you think it was you think it had everything to do with acorn crop acorn crop and so green oh, and it was so it was, green there was so many wild oak stuff they didn't have to move far and it, no. it, it was like when I killed that big buck November 5th if just another three steps he's gone it was so green i just seen pieces of him so and it stayed green for a while but they, they were they just they're eating roasted acorns after they done the burn in january so, <laughs> so there was plenty of acorns out there so. we went on a youth turkey hunt and one of the kids picked up an anchor and popped it open and uh that would be uh last week of march yeah. maybe first of april or may yeah. i think i can't remember when they had a youth hunt out there and that acorn looked good to me whether and, and i talked to a guy i worked with he run a camera up in tennessee and they was wearing a red oak out up there on his place yeah. i've seen them eating acorns in february so, for sure they, what's man. your what's your what's your go-to strategy on those on those uh heavy crop years like that like <laughs> I've never seen it this heavy. Yeah, that was uh, so that you so you're just it was kind of a shot in the dark mm. for you. Oh yeah, it was just where you did you move Keep grinding. to just move to hunting terrain or transition or like I was still trying to hunt stay the trails what I normally do mm -hmm. and uh, and on the muzzleloader hunt I actually I seen and it was early season was it uh, first of November yeah, when was, they had that fifth was the last day. And I didn't sit in this. I don't think I sat out of four days or five days in the same tree morning to evening. I bounced around and I rattled a lot. And I seen a lot of young bucks. And some of them, I mean, I videoed a few that come straight to the tree. And I was like, man, this is nice. But then as the season went on and was over with, one of the places I hunt down off in the wilderness area, I was like, man, I seen two bucks that morning rattling and I never went back in there. And I, and there's been years I've been there and not seen any deer, and I was like, man, why didn't I go back and hunt during the rut? If that many was working through their early season when the rut kicked in, because I brought an eight out of there a couple of years ago that I actually mounted, and it's like, man, I think I messed up. I should have went back in there, but it is what it is. Hindsight. 
Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I think it's a lot of thing. A lot of stuff people don't realize about hunting, kind of big woods type stuff, is how dependent you are on the acorn crop. Whether it be, I mean, if it's too little, it's too little, and it can, it can make it tough. If the if the trees aren't producing in spots where they normally do, can make it tough. And if they are overproducing, I know where you're going with this, and I and I want to talk about it um, because I think, and a lot of times, if they're, I guess it would be underproducing, uh, it makes it a little bit more predictable. Is right. that what you, yeah. that what you were yeah. getting at? Yeah. Because I scout in season. I just don't stick to repetitive going to this area and hunting in this same tree every year. I do to a sense, but I scout in, scout out. If I'm running dry, I'll scout. Uh, I'll change up. But over the last couple of years, I've really became a, a fan of a red oak. Yes. <laughs> if I can find a red oak, it was used to. I was like, man, both says I'm looking for these white oaks dropping. Mm. I'm scouting for white oaks, not paying no attention to red oaks. Now, in the last couple of years, give me a, a water where red oaks is dropping. I'm climbing there. Mm. Now, would that be? Early season, is that when you're talking about, or just season long? As long as you can find red oaks that are dropping. But red oaks drop a little later so right. and longer, so it's it's kind of stretched out. Because I know whenever I get into January, a lot of times, post-rut, is when I start looking for red oaks more often. I'm just trying to see if there's a secret that you're that I don't, don't know about red oaks for it was... like the earlier time frame. Year before last, me and a buddy went back over an area because we hunted one area, zero acres, just like the deer left, and we was like, man. I said, well, I've been on the other side. Let's go in there and try on that early gun hunt. We're sliding through there, and we hit a spot, and we got to notice all this buck sign. Even with lights going in, we was noticing deer and some pretty good rubs in the area. And I was like, man. So and I'd picked this out scouting it like the year before. I said, let me see your phone. I said, hey, you can go down here and hunt this trail on a ride or you can go back up. He said, man, this is, you more familiar with, you go down there, so let me see your phone. So I took his own X. I said, okay, go climb right here. Well, he's walking, he's about to pick him a tree and he says, a deer stands up. He said, man, he was big. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so he bounces off. Well, later that morning we meet back up and we go looking around right in there close to where he was at. And man, we went to the opposite side of the road. And you, I told him, I said, man, you could literally look like you could take a five-gallon bucket and start raking the red oaks up. They'd drop nowhere else, no white oaks, no nothing. But these red oaks were producing. It was scrapes and rubs all in there. And uh, that evening, I think I had a buck come through chasing. and I could hear him grunting. The next morning, he climbs where you could see the acorns, like you could rake them up with a bucket. And he was in his saddle, climbed up, had a deer blow come across. He climbed down, went to the end of or a rolling ridge, climbed up again, heard him chasing down there, climbed down, go over to the next ridge, and he's sitting there. Anyway, he steps up, deer standing there, he gets to kill him. Really nice eight point. But, That's awesome. Do you think, um, so were there both red oak and white oaks? No. So do you think that um, if you had both on the ground, what's a whitetail gonna prefer? As of right now, I'm gonna go check all the sign I can under the red oaks. And I don't know if you ever noticed walking through this mountain, there's white oaks everywhere. Yeah. The red oaks is spotty. 
Very few and Now, yes. now they're kind of terrain specific, and I, it, to me that kind of I think the bucks. I don't know if they got the taste for them or just because of where the terrain is, where the red oaks are at. So that's why they do it. But it's, I kind of lean toward that. If there's red oaks dropping, with a combination of white oaks or whatever, I'm leaning. I'm looking to red oaks too. So it's. I, I wonder if it's. Uh, but just to give you an example, uh, I went on a hunt in North Dakota, early season last year. Um, buddy Jared Schaefer, who works for Tether, uh, he's a heck of a deer hunter. We are out there, and it's corn and beans. For miles, I mean, just corn and beans everywhere, which is like gold, right? I mean, like that excellent food source. Well, Jared kind of starts thinking outside the box, ends up going and setting up in this spot and where he can see a bunch of big, huge cattails, big, tall cattails surrounding this marsh. And this big, giant, 170-inch velvet buck pops out of that, starts eating cattails. He's got beans and corn all around him, and he's not going into it because all of his security is coming from right there. So he's just, I think I'll just eat cattails. Mm -hmm. So I, I wonder if, kind of what you're saying, if there isn't something more to maybe not the preference of red oaks, but the preference of red oaks with the terrain or the cover that they have in it. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to know if that, if that, if there is an actual reason why they would prefer it taste-wise or if it's some other compounding feature right. with the red oaks because yeah. I, I don't know I mean I, I know a lot of times when I go and find red oaks it's a little more cover higher stem count those white oak flats are usually just wide open yeah. a lot of time I really believe like a mature buck mostly will not go to a green field when there's other stuff to eat because of he was risking his life so yeah if there's, if there's acorns or browse whatever he's the only reason he'll go by a green field is to check for does so and he probably ain't gonna step in it and be downwind of it or something. So, so I'm, I'm leaning toward the, you know, the buck. What if he's got enough to survive no matter what it is, close to a cover? That's what he's eating. So. Now, are you still focusing on a lot of that stuff, food sources and stuff during the rut? Or are you moving strictly more to terrain and bluff gaps and stuff like that? Terrain and and does. If I can, if I know where the does are hanging or a good area where does like to hang. And I used to hear it a lot from the older guys. Find the does, you find the bucks. And there's some times I've hunted, and I was like, man, I've seen the does, but I ain't seen a buck. But the last couple of years, I've hanged out, hanged out, the stayed where the does was at, and man, them bucks. I can, and I'm sure it's when she comes in, man, they start wiring it out through there. Are you finding? Do you find in these big woods scenarios that the does kind of hang out in the same? Uh, spots throughout the season. Yes. So they, early season, they're, they're the seem like they're homebodies. Yeah. yeah. Now, buck, and, and I'm gonna go back to where my old buddy Tony talked about doe groups, and I think it's not not just our area, but everywhere. I think they know where old Susie over here. She stays a half a mile over. She comes in estrus at this time. Well, there's a doe that he's met up with that's five miles you know and we're learning now here in these all these podcasts and research how much these bucks actually travel and during the rut and i i've been a few i've shot it was like my brother runs the archer shop and there's a guy come in he said man that big eight points your brother got i had pictures of him over at such and such i was like man it ain't no way but now it's like that's a good possibility yeah and yeah. so 
So I had a had a situation this year where uh, one of the bucks that I killed, uh, he was hanging out with the same doe group that literally, I mean, you're talking about big woods, no crops, no nothing. You know, it's just big wood stuff with some clear cuts around it. And this doe group, I shot a doe out of that group in October. And that same doe group come running the same exact at the same time same exact trail same everything and it was the same deer the same deer that had come with that first one and he was with them one of them had obviously come into into heat and he was you know hanging out with them and so i know from my personal experiences i've seen that these does a lot of times if you can find them in that october realm if you can find a spot that's just eat up with does man remember it yeah. remember it I mean you can go and just about sit in the same spots a lot in, in my experience it doesn't always happen that way sometimes you got to adjust a little bit but um, yeah, you, might, you might have to make a slight adjustment but generally they're they're I got I run cameras pretty much year-round and it'd be the same does that come by that uh, camera or, or group of cameras every month of the year they're they'll come by there so they I mean they don't they don't never leave yeah they might adjust a little bit for the food but they're in there is so. which does typically are going to be around food yeah. more than a buck's going to be because of them being isolated, right? Away from like there, you're talking about during the rut. Like there's, yes. there's still going to be kind of yeah. concentrated around that food source. Well, mm-hmm. the does will move a little bit with pressure too. It's, you know, oh they yeah, got their for sure. For, for pressure, sure. so that's something we didn't we we hadn't talked a lot about. I mean, in that too. I mean, like you start talking about from October, public land in October. In Alabama is, is is interesting we have a lot of hunting pressure in general mm-hmm. but during the bow season I don't know if you guys notice the same thing I do but most of the time you pretty much have a lot of it yeah. to yourself uh, Zach Farrenball from the hunting public when they came and hunted a WMA in Alabama they were like we were expecting all kinds of people there wasn't anybody here <laughs> we had the whole place to ourselves because it was not a gun mm-hmm. hunt on that yeah. weekend yeah that's a big difference so and so you can you can figure a lot of that self stuff out but once you once those gun hunters start coming in there and you start getting uh people yeah. on every drive every pull in yeah that U- changes usually things. the week before the gun they'll be out there scouting or that flying scouting walking whatever kind of so when they start that the, there'll be a slight change in where the does are even the bucks they'll move they'll move a little better adjust to the pressure so you just have to be kind of be able to make your little slight adjustments. So, Mike, what's uh, how how are you gonna, what are you gonna do do different? Is there anything you're gonna do different for this season? You already kind of, I mean, I've got one a different little area that that me and Kathy kind of found a specific buck or maybe two bucks to, that we're gonna kind of target. So, one of them, if if it works out, is a unique buck. It might, I mean, who knows? Might work out, might not. But you never killed a unique buck. No. <laughs> so, so, You're but, right. He's killed many. <laughs> he's killed he's several uniques. Unique but, but yeah, we've got a a little plan we're working on. So, so we'll see. So. I feel like you're being secretive about it. You know, yeah, you, a little bit. You done talking about it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, 
if you say too much, you might give yeah, away too much information. I give away too much information, but we'll see if it works out. You'll know. You'll know. I'll be grinning again. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll film you know, it. I kinda, I'll post it. I feel bad because the last year, you know, I kind of talked about it a little bit. I guess this one deer, you know, I think he's going to be 180 plus, and I'm, I've got this plan how I'm going to do it, and then bought a crossbow for him and all that, and it, it worked out too perfect. It was the first time I go to because I, wait, I waited to a certain time. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till. I'm pretty sure I think he's going to be moving. It just worked out perfect. So I'm not going to say a whole lot this year because I, <laughs> I, might, not, I might not kill a dang thing. But I'm going to kill something with a longbow, though. So yeah. I got to do that. Luke's going to yeah. cripple it, and you're going to finish him off. I'll finish it off. That's <laughs> it. Hey, I'll shoot that thing in the butt. How about tactics-wise? Are you doing anything to change? And so <laughs> – you hear a bunch of old timers always say, or like really, maybe not even old timers, really successful hunters, really successful athletes, successful people in general say, never stop learning. You always, yeah. you always evolve. Um, 57 years old, so you're also hardly an old guy, but you're kind of getting up into that age where you, you've had good success and the stuff you've done has worked for you. I want to know if you're doing anything different this year, just tactic wise. Don't talk. You don't have to talk about the area or the buck or anything like that. But things you might be changing up. Uh, probably not. And I might actually just back up a little bit because you, you you get to hear so much stuff on these podcasts now that that kind of think, well, crap, I was doing that, you know. So yeah. I might just you know, so so not not a whole lot. It's it's going to be similar. It's just I can't argue with what's happened. So it's hard. I want to work on Kathy a little bit more just to, but she's been close. So yeah. you know and. Um, I want it to work out more for her this year, so we might adjust that a little bit. So. She's got the grit that comes oh, with it, too, the, <laughs> we, 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 the hang in there. The stuff we've done, and, and like Jamie was saying, token stand, I've told it my stand, which is most of the time I've told it API. Anybody knows the thing about API Grand Slam Magnum? It's not very light. Well, she's got a Summit SD light that's another 15, 16 pound. I've chained it or tie it to mine and my pack, and she's carrying her pack, and it's mile and a half whatever so we're doing whatever we can and it's but sometimes it's rough like Tammy said <laughs> back be dragging about you know, December so but uh man I think it's just pride at this point that you hadn't got a saddle <laughs> <laughs> and it might be they're all that's interesting it just I just that's that's on the edge for me my age you know I might screw up and do something stupid and be laying on the ball you know I failed one time last year just hiking in and on one of them bluff faces, and it, when I hit the dang ground, it was like somebody body slammed me on some pavement. And I laid there for 10 minutes thinking about it. You know, this my, I'm starting to get older on this stuff. I was, it hurt, boy, I knocked the wind out of it. I was like, dang. So, but you know, I could see me on one of them saddles do something stupid and do a swan dive out of about 12 foot because I'm not going high anyway. So, but uh, it's, uh, it's funny. I, uh, I took, you know, Kevin, my uncle, I took him out to a, a spot that is really a good spot that I've, I've hunted for a long time now and uh we get out of the boat and i'm trying to think no we're getting in the boat we just finished hunting we're getting in the boat and i climb in there i got all my stuff you know i'm wearing my little tree saddle diaper and i toss it off and he's up on the bank and he hands me his climber and i about like face planted when he handed it to me into the water because i was like <laughs> it's so heavy um and I was like, dude, you've got to change. So I think this year he he told me he's like, I'm thinking about getting into the saddle. It's that would a, be awesome if he was. In the I'd love it, man. I, I like it when when people uh, like you like like I love talking people 
like you into doing something different. It make I feel like I should get a badge for it. You've been on me. You've I been on me forever. So. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> one of these days. One of these uh, days. If I do it, there better not be a camera around anywhere. <laughs> you know we're gonna have a camera rolling. <laughs> yeah. How about yeah. you, Luke? You uh, you gonna do anything new, different? Change up some of your tactics uh, or anything like that. Well, I mean, gear-wise, I, I, I was telling Mike, you know, I, I really do want to try to kill one with a longbow. I've killed multiple deer with a recurve, but I've never killed one with a longbow. And uh, so that's going to be a goal. I actually did switch from a saddle to the – I got the 1.0 custom gear. Really? Yep, yep. And uh, I'll be getting the double sticks here soon. Uh, I'm excited to try that. And, you know, it was pretty cool because I went from climber, you know, I've hunted lock-ons, ladders, all that stuff. Um, and the uh, the climbers, you know, I was using that before the saddle, um, and then I just I kind of you know pros and cons to both. I'm not steering anybody any any sort of way. I just I feel like the the 1.0 is going to be something that that's going to work for me. I'm excited to try it. But tactics wise, uh, I'll say it over and over and over. Being with Michael and um, you know, being on podcast with you, I am in a season where I am a sponge. It's just soaking up as much information as I can when it comes to being successful on um, on how to locate bucks, how to hunt public land. Because I've hunted private, I've I've hunted private more than I have public, but I've hunted public for a few years. But I haven't just head first into public like I have private, and so I'm I'm really in a season now where I've already been scouting. Uh, postseason scouting was super big on on my agenda. You know, you know after deer season, March, April, now and really until deer season, uh, along with you know prepping stuff on private land too. But um, just tactics that I've learned, whether that be uh, figuring out how to locate bedding, you know, figuring out, um, you know, how to run trail cameras on, the, you know, where you'll hear X marks a spot on how a bunch of different fingers come into one spot, bluff gaps, how to locate saddles, and, and all of that stuff that I really had no idea was just humongous factors, you know, figuring out food sources and all sorts of stuff. I mean, the list goes on and on, but to where I can look at a map and I can go to the spot and be able to go this, this, and this, and this are here, and these things line up. I think there are deer in this area, and go look at that area and see sign in that area. It's all kind of piecing together in my brain, so that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, you just you're in a like a growth, a heavy growth year. Yeah. Probably yeah, for heavy sure. challenge. Yeah, more, more so. Yeah, more so on public land side of things. Um, and I'm excited. Yeah, because I feel like that's going to make me a better hunter all around. So. You're like the most like you're probably one of the most coveted people right now in the state of Alabama. People who listen to this, you're like, I got Michael teaching me everything. I'm just hanging out with Michael. I'm on his. I'm on his side, and we're just walking into the woods. He's showing me everything. You know how many people would kill to have that? Well, they got a 
do the blood covenant and all that stuff. <laughs> he sworn to secrecy. Yeah, the bloodletting. <laughs> yeah. We did that. And mount all, mount all of his animals and skin all of his deer and all that stuff. So, yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited though. It's it's awesome. And that's what, they can you know. Watch, they can watch the channel too and, and try to learn. That's what I was about to oh. say. They can watch the channel. They can be a part of it. But I'm excited. Like, like I said earlier, I, I've known Mike since I was a kid. And so I've got to give respect where it's due, especially, you know, being around Mike, being able to know Jamie and a ton of other guys that are just super, super yeah. successful when it comes to killing really, really good deer. Good deer, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah learn to listen to yep. when Jamie speaks or Tony Myers speaks, people like it, West Moyd, you know, listen. Because yeah, anything, I mean, it could be the slightest thing. It can, they can say that you're like, well, ah, hold on. You know, and, and learn it and put it together. So yeah, I'm not. But my biggest fear is what the state does. It you know, hopefully there's not going to be some. Oh, something you know, crazy. Happened. Yeah, because yeah. we don't. But the CWD stuff, I don't. I don't. It might not be too bad right now, but it's it's still something. I know they got you know their plan, whatever it is. They're going. Mm -hmm. They might implement something that might be a, a little bit different, but we we'll just have to wait to see. So. Yeah, and, and what you said, what you're talking about, Luke, and what kind of what you echoed to Mike like I think about a lot of things that I hear just talking to different people like y'all um, and, and they it may not even be it may be something you kind of say just under your breath something like the the red oak thing that's gonna change somebody the way they hunt mm -hmm. somebody's gonna listen to it and it's yep. gonna change the way that they hunt and we didn't really even spend a whole lot of time talking about it but that's gonna impact and and if you do that enough people would be surprised at what how much they can learn on things that are just kind of breeze paths. Um, so much to where, uh, you know this, Mike, one of my main things that I'm consistently trying to do, like this isn't just this season, but I want to get better at early season hunting. I told you, I told you that yeah. last summer. Yeah, I was like, because I'm trying to think of what actually you said. You're like, I, it's hard to do. People aren't doing it in the early season. They're not killing good bucks in the uh, early season. Oh, there's people that are, but it, it is. That's, if, from what trail camera and stuff I run, like even the deer I killed last year, that sucker, in the daylight, there's only just a couple times, yeah. and it's that's a hard thing to do, especially on public land, because cause you don't know, you can't control horse riders, hikers, squirrel hunters, all that. Cause they, don't, they get a little bit of oh, wind in there. I, I smell like some humans, so I'm going... <laughs> daylight's tough on them guys so mm -hmm. it's a hard thing to do consistently to me i mean i mean most of the time most of the bucks i kills i don't know about jamie it was from after halloween to first week of december you know so the majority of them I kill one every now and then earlier but most of the time so no it's a tough thing the people that can target a specific buck and hit him early that's right my hat's off that's a hard thing to do but I don't know but, if I'll ever I mean, be able to do I that. I try it every year. You know, kind of, I always, you know, me and Kathy will find them, some outlier bucks that's on the edges of our ears or, or different spots, whatever we hunt early, and you very rarely. I missed one, crap, opening day a couple of years ago. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. It shocked me. And that was the third deer I seen. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I also tore up. I missed him at 30 yards with the bow. the opening day. But it's, uh, it can be done, but it's it's tough. But. I think I think the reason why I like that and I like that idea of doing that is because I know it's going to take a long time to do it. I mean, to to be able to get consistent at it, mm -hmm. and so it keeps you in a learning right. 
in a learning groove and a learning phase. Yeah. You don't ever get out of it, really. Yeah. I mean, when you do something like that, big woods, southern, early season deer, no. Very possible to do in states like Kentucky, Illinois, Indiana, a lot of these ag Midwestern type states. Right. 100% doable. Mm-hmm. Way easier than what we have here. And probably, you know, what we have here can be comparable with some of the stuff up in PA. Um, that big woods stuff around, what is it, Allegheny National Forest? Mm-hmm. Those kind of places. I think they're going to hunt real similar. And I always see people in those places, like you hardly ever see early season bucks dying up in Pennsylvania. You don't see them a lot here. Sometimes you have little, you know, one-off kind of what things. But... Every now and then, yeah. Yeah, it, it happened. I shot biggest public land deer I've ever killed. I killed him October the 23rd, I think. So it was an early season deer. It was early. And, uh, but I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. every minute the way that felt. Like, man, it felt like I did something that not a lot of people get to do. And so I think for me, it keeps me into that, like, chasing, chasing something, you know. Mm-hmm. And I might be 67 years old before I can be like, well, yeah, I learned how to kill them in the early season, you know? Yeah. Uh, but by golly, it'll be, I'll be 67 years old by the time I learn that. So I think it's good, though. I think it's good for people to, to hear what you guys are dealing with, what you're struggling with. I always come back to a podcast we did with the two of you guys and Wes at the taxidermy shop. Um, y'all said something I thought was pretty good when we ask the question how many opportunities are you getting every year on bucks on mature deer like Mm -hmm. opportunity that doesn't mean you always kill them but how many opportunities are you getting on mature deer and i think probably the average answer was like two or three in that yeah mine was less than that yeah yeah one (laughs) you know around i guess if i averaged out the whole time i've been hunting you know one maybe a year so what so what would be an encouragement to somebody that hears that is the encouragement to somebody that hears that hey stay in the woods as much as you can would it be to pinpoint doe groups to up your chances like what, well, what that, would you... that, well, that depends on what time of season really but to me if you can kill one mature buck on public land a year crap i mean I don't know if everybody does that. Not everybody don't do that. It's a pretty top I mean, percentage, that's, I think. That's a, that's a, if you can kill one mature in a year, you're doing something, you know, to me. You know, if you can see one, it's, you know, pretty good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, if you kill two or three, yeah, that's a, that's that's amazing, really. So, what's your, just for people who don't know, what's your uh, what's your mature mature buck qualification? Oh, I might go with three and a half and older. So. Three and a half older. How about you, Jamie? Oh, I don't know. Big, something small, one eighties plus. Uh, my standards may be higher than the next guy. I would say all depends on the size. I mean, you're not necessarily age over. No, because I let one. I videoed it and showed it to the biologist, and he's like, "Man, why don't you shoot that deer? He's six and a half year old." Not what I was looking. Didn't for. you let you let that yes, deer walk? Is that the one you're yeah. talking about? And. You know, it just wasn't what I was looking for at the time. I shot him. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jamie. But, you know, I don't know. 
I don't know how you passed that, sir. That thing like a tank when I seen him walk up. Oh, he had a neck and a half and a big body. It was just. They all came, Man, we was, all can't be 150s. But it, you were on the banner, early, you were on the banner season that year, weren't you? Last That was two seasons ago, and you had a heck of a year. Yeah. And you weren't, right? Wasn't that? That was a year that you. I killed, uh, I killed that one and that one right there. Both of them were six and a half year old, but they're just not monster X. Yeah. But they're good deer. So, yeah. So. No, I come off of that really good season. That was the following year. And I think it was like the real early in the season. And man, I had all kind of action that weekend. And I, and I, I killed the nine. I just got him back. I killed a nine point that weekend also. But yeah, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out in your favor. Oh yeah, worked out for both of y'all. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I just think. And that I, was that was another thing that you're talking about how far they travel because you said it's about four miles away. That's straight line on Onyx where I think where he's at over there. Yeah, he's not. And that's not. Sure. <laughs> that's not you know through the woods or nothing. That's air top air. of line on it and go straight that's over. There's a crow fly. There's yeah. a crow fly. Three three and a half miles. And you said it was early season? Yeah, that was first week of December, I think, when Michael got him. And then yeah, I killed him, I I killed him December 4th, yeah. Like November the 19th, 18th, 19th, something like that. Okay. Man, that's crazy. You think about those. And I passed up three more before. And that's not, I passed up three bucks. I won a pretty nice eight point. Uh, two I and told him I said, keep your eyes day. out. It might be another one lurking <laughs> that way. <laughs> so, yeah, that day we seen, we, shoot, man, cats in a bunch of deer that day. It was one of them crazy windy, stormy days and deer run everywhere. It was, uh, you know, the following year he wasn't on camera, which I know he was dead, but it was one I, I'd let go that same weekend. And I was over here at Cedar Ridge, where I took a deer to this mm -hmm. year. And uh, I walked in, I, where he's got like displays, and I looked at the deer for a minute, and I went on in, because he's got a split. He ain't really a G2, well it is, but it's split. And then he's got something crazy else he does. And I look, and anyway, I went on, and when I was leaving that night, he says, oh yeah, I got a buddy that killed that up in Bankhead last year with his bow. I said, hold on. I said, all right, that's why I didn't see him anymore. <laughs> and he wasn't on camera. Wow. He was dead. Oh man, guys, I can't wait. Y'all ever, do y'all hit that point where it's just like. Oh, I made it right now, man. He just yeah, I've been jacked. I just got out of Turkey, so I, I've been recovering. But I think I hit it this week where I was like, I'm still, still reminiscing on turkey season. I'm not gonna lie to you, um, but I kind of hit that point this year where I'm like, okay, let's do it. I got a new bow, so I seen that. new bow came in the mail. That I'm not gonna. Sweet. It's a it's a sweet bow. Uh, it's a Bowtech. We're gonna talk about that in a future episode. Um. Waiting on a site for it, and I'll be shooting it. Be shooting what? those hundred plus dollar broadheads. No, all that good stuff. <laughs> I don't shoot expensive broadheads. Not that expensive. They're kind of expensive, but they're I not mean, that expensive. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I I can't afford that. But um, uh, the, the arrows themselves are pretty expensive. Just. You, when you consider broadheads, knocks, um, all the stuff that you need to arrow, like we talked about, it's just it is expensive. But I've got all that stuff um, in the mail. I'm and it's getting me fired up. 
<laughs> I can't wait. Put the shotgun away and yep. I'm ready to roll. Cool. Gonna be good. Gonna be great. Well, guys, appreciate y'all. Appreciate you opening up your house and very well. Letting uh, letting pull. us eat dinner over here. Y'all pull. Y'all like halibut. Halibut is good. Man, that halibut was good. I learned tonight that I like halibut. halibut. Kathy. Texture like chicken. <laughs> it it tasted just like, yeah, yeah, texture was. It was. It was like. It was like Stonebridge chicken. Yeah. People good. know what that, maybe you don't know what that is, the restaurant here in Alabama, but yeah, like texture, and that's the best chicken ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap this thing up. All right, guys, thanks. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. And make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.